1: Hey, Daniel, what happens if you have a great new physics theory? Mm-hmm. I mean, just really beautiful, gorgeous, perfect, explains almost everything.
0: This sounds great so far.
1: But... Uh-oh, I knew there was a but coming. But it's wrong about one thing. Mm, well, is it like a little thing? Yeah, just a little thing called the whole universe. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, is it like just a little bit wrong? It's wrong by about the size of the whole universe. <laughs> (laughs) Doesn't sound like such a great theory, but, you know, there's always a fix. Oh, yeah? What's that? Uh, Well, engineers would love it. We just add a fudge factor. (laughs) Engineers have safety factors, not fudge factors. (laughs) But uh, that's it, really? You just put a big number in it and you can fix it? Yeah, step one, put in a big number. Step two, give it a fancy-sounding name.
1: Hi, I'm Jorge. I'm a cartoonist and the creator of Ph.D. Comics.
0: Hi, I'm Daniel Whiteson. I'm a particle physicist, and I have never fixed a theory with a fudge factor. (laughs) Not yet, Daniel. How about a podcast? Have you fixed a podcast? I've never fudged the physics on this podcast, but I've also never come up with my own theory of the universe. Mm. Have you had fudge while you were recording this podcast? My theory is that fudge is the basic element of the universe because it brings joy. <laughs> and in the end, what's life about other than beauty and joy? And and chocolate, obviously.
1: <laughs> but welcome to our podcast. Daniel and Jorge explain the universe, a production of
0: iHeartRadio. In which we compare the universe to various snack foods, delicious and dark and dense sometimes. But with all the stuff that's happening out there in this crazy world, we want to take you on a tour of the grandest, deepest, most amazing, but yet strangely accessible questions of the universe. That's right. We want to take your mind
1: and have it go on a trip out into the far reaches of the cosmos and to think about
0: what it is that we're all doing here and how did this crazy universe come to be? And why is it the way it is? That's right, because the universe belongs to all of us. And wondering and being curious about the universe is as old as being human. And we think that everybody should understand what scientists are thinking about, what the deepest questions are, and what scientists are pretty clueless about and only pretend to think they understand anything about. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Physicists uh, fudge things sometimes. (laughs) That's right. And not little questions and not by a little bit. Sometimes we need a really, really massive fudge factor. That's right, a really big bowl of fudge. Hey, you know, on a bad day, that sometimes that's all that makes you feel better. That's pretty good about right now. Yeah, I wouldn't mind swimming in a swimming pool full of fudge. All right, we'll wipe that mental image, folks, and replace it with questions about the universe. So to the end of the program, we'll be talking about
1: what such f- fudge fact about the universe that physicists have come up with. And this comes up a lot in discussions about the entire universe and the theories that underlie it, like
0: general relativity and dark energy. That's right. And this is one of my favorite topics in physics because it's a topic where we are absolutely sure that we are in the beginning days of understanding. Like if you go back and read in history about people thinking about the nature of reality and are things made out of atoms or made out of fire and water, it feels like, man, they had some pretty crazy ideas back then. They had no idea what they were doing, right? Well, there are fields of physics where we are also just starting out having all sorts of crazy ideas, which physicists in 10, 50, or 100 years will look back and snortle at. Yeah, and this
1: one's particularly interesting because it all sort of comes down to a number. Would you say it's the biggest number in physics? (laughs) It's definitely the wrongest number in physics. Uh, The the
0: wrongest and
1: the biggest. Oh,
0: man. One of the weird things about this number is why it's so small. Like, we think it should be a lot bigger, and it turns out to be kind of small, and Mm. we don't understand that. I see.
1: It's a small number numerically, but I'm saying, like, in terms of significance, it's a huge number. It's a little number with big significance. It's the biggest slice of the fudge pie of the universe. So to the on the program, we'll be talking about... What is the cosmological constant? All right. So uh, this was a, a question that was sent to us by someone from Belgium. So this is Pascal asking... What is the cosmological constant?
0: Hi, Daniel and Jorge. I have a nagging question about the cosmological constant. I understand that Einstein introduced the cosmological constant in the field equation because he thought that this would make the universe static. But in fact, the presence of the cosmological constant in the field equation actually shows that the universe is expanding. So that's why he said that this was the biggest mistake of his life, which, by the way, shows one more time how brilliant he was. Even when he was making a mistake, it turns out that he was right. So my question is, how does the presence of the cosmological constant in the field equation
1: show that the universe is expanding and more deeply, uh, where did this
0: cosmological constant come from? Who, quote unquote, invented it? Thank you so much for your podcast and cheers from Belgium.
1: All right. Cheers, Pascal. Thanks for sending in that question. And I think it's awesome that it's a question that's nagging her. Is it a question that nags you also,
0: Daniel? Does it keep you up at night? Oh, my gosh. The history and future fate of the universe totally keeps me up at night. I mean, that's like the biggest question in physics, you know? Literally. Literally the biggest question in physics. Are we living in a space that's going to be crunched? Are we exploding out into the heat death of the universe? What is the shape, the size, the nature, the dynamics of the universe? Like, thought of as a whole object. It's... It's incredible that humans can even consider things so vast in our tiny little minds. right? It sort of comes down to one number almost. It seems to come down to one number, a number we had to insert into the equations Mm. to explain what we see. And, you know, the reason I love this topic is because not only do we have fresh new ideas for how to explain what we see, but our understanding of what we're seeing has also changed. You know, a hundred years ago, we thought there was just one galaxy in the universe. And then we discovered there are other galaxies and they're zooming away mm. from us. And then we discovered, oh, my gosh, that things are expanding even faster and faster. So, like, only 20 years ago did we figure out that there was this weird thing called dark energy tearing our universe wow. apart. And now we're struggling to explain it. So, yeah, it's a big, nagging right. question. Is dark energy just fudge, maybe? Hmm. Something to think about. <laughs> fudge energy would have been a, a better fudge name. Fudge energy, there you go. <laughs> Quantum fudge energy.
1: But this number is called the cosmological constant. And so as usual, we were wondering how many people out there know what this term means and where it came from. So as usual, Daniel went out and asked people on the street, what is the cosmological constant? And before you listen to these answers, think about it for a second. If someone asked you what it is, would you know what to say? Here's what people had to say. I have no idea what it is. The idea that there's one constant that explains all the others, so we don't have to have, like, 42 to explain all the different little stuff? I think so. I have no clue. Does that, I mean, it has something to do with light, maybe? I don't know, cause that's
0: a, yeah. Cosmological constant, so I would say it's something to do with like uh, creation of life or something um, along those lines. Probably, like, a number, like, the Euler's constant or something, <laughs> some, some mathematical thing.
1: It's some sort of scale factor, uh... I guess
0: is the best way to describe it. No. If you had to guess, just based like on movement, the words.
1: something like that, something that's more fixed and mm-hmm. something that throughout time they've seen
0: is constantly there. Heard of it, but I can't remember it right now. Okay.
1: Uh, I believe that refers to Einstein's uh, whoopsie, in which he had to add a factor to an equation to account for either the repulsion or attraction That uh, would actually make the evolution of the universe's uh, topology, I guess you might say, um, stable or not stable. I know I'm getting that a little right. It's also synonymous these days with dark matter, I think, or the effect of dark matter. Cool. You guess something to do with how uh, the universe expands? Okay, Something about the shape of the cosmos? I'm not sure.
0: All right, some pretty good answers out there. Yeah, some people pretty close, and then some other people sort of grasping at you know mm. broad things because it's it sounds broad and consequential, right? Cosmological cosmological, yeah, yeah. It's not like it's
1: not like the local neighborhood constant or <laughs>
0: Bob's my number. My sofa,
1: my sofa <laughs> constant. <laughs> you know, it's like it's a, it's going for the it's going for the fences. Yes, cosmological constant. Yeah,
0: it's a dramatic name. What do you think about the name? You approve? Well, of it? let me see what it is. You know, is it? <laughs> It, okay. Is it cosmological
1: in significance? I
0: think you'll find that it is.
1: My guess is, is that it's not even a constant, thing. <laughs> like, good, you guys got even that part of the name wrong.
0: <laughs> that's a good guess. And, you know, it's a kind of thing where you think it's a constant, you call it a constant, then you discover, oops, it's changing, and you still <laughs> call it a constant. The only thing that's
1: constant is the name. Right, yeah. <laughs> The only thing that isn't changing about it. But uh, it is sort of a a pretty big topic and and it all sort of originated with Einstein, right? Uh, This is something Einstein came up with kind of by accident.
0: So tell us about the history. Yeah, this is something you have to understand the history of it. And Pascal's question really goes to that. You have to understand sort of where Einstein's mind was when he was trying to explain the universe. And you're right, it began with Einstein. Mm. But really it was Einstein building on what Newton did. Mm. This was like in 1915 around, right? Yeah, this is the early 1900s. And Einstein was trying to understand the universe and its shape and how and how gravity works Mm. because he had gotten these ideas from newton that everybody else had that gravity is something where two objects with mass pull on each other and he didn't like this idea and he tried to come up with a more general idea for what gravity might be and he reimagined gravity completely right his idea of gravity was not that Gravity is like a force where two objects pull on each other, Mm -hmm. but that it's sort of the effect of mass on space itself. Right. So space is no longer just like a backdrop. It's not like an emptiness on which things happen. It's a dynamical part of the universe, meaning you put mass into space, space changes. Right. And so he imagined gravity as a bending of space. Any local density of energy will bend space around it, changing the shape of the universe. Right. And this
1: idea sort of came up from the equations, right? Like if you sort of look at the equations of gravity and things moving because of gravity... You can sort of look at the equations in two ways, as a, as a force or as a, as a kind of a bending of space, right? It's not like he uh, suddenly came up with this idea.
0: Well, I think it had a complex history and it required him to merge some ideas some mathematics that had recently been developed. But I think it's a pretty big conceptual shift to say gravity is not just a force between two objects like electromagnetism, but it's something conceptually very different. It's a changing of the shape of space itself. I think that's sort of mind bending the way, you know, the mind bending to think about space bending, Mm. right? And so he came up with this idea and it worked really well for lots of things that he was able to recover Newton's theory from it. He showed that thinking about gravity in this way gave the same predictions that Newton gave, right? Mm. It didn't mean apples should fall differently from trees. Right, Because Newton's theory sort of worked, right? It's been tested a lot of ways and it even explained the motion of the planets mostly. Right. And so it's important when you come up with like a deeper theory that it still explains all the stuff that Newton had gotten right.
1: Right. In Einstein's theory, the apple doesn't fall from the tree, it just sort of rides down
0: the space time <laughs> or it sits in the same space time divot. <laughs> yeah. It surfs, right? It surfs on space. But the motion is the same, right? Einstein doesn't predict that you'd see anything different from when an apple falls. Mm. But then it did make small differences in predictions for like how Mercury moved. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the precession Mm. of Mercury. And so he proved that his idea was right and that Newton's idea was wrong. Um, But then he took the idea even bigger. He said, all right if we think about this, what does that mean for the whole universe, Mm. right? Can I understand what that means for like everything? He also
1: swung for the fences. (laughs) Yeah, he went
0: cosmological. He's like, hey,
1: it predicts his apple.
0: (laughs) Let's go for the universe. And you only have to think about it for a moment to realize, well, if the sun bends space so the earth moves around it, right? That means that mass and energy is bending space sort of towards itself, Mm -hmm. then what's going to happen when you have a lot of mass, like a universe-sized blob of mass? Mm. Well, it's going to cause things to contract, right? It's going to cause things to contract. What do you mean? Like it under its own weight? Yeah, the gravity of all the stuff in the universe should pull all the stuff together, right? Um. If you're Einstein, you think, okay, I have an empty universe, space is flat, then I add galaxies and stars and gas and dust, what should happen? Well, space will bend in a way to pull all that stuff eventually together. And so in Einstein's universe originally, mm-hmm. all that stuff should compact, should fall into itself and eventually create, you know, like a huge black hole. Oh, but do you need Einstein's gravity formulation that way? Can't Wouldn't
1: Newton also predict that everything would just pull on itself and collapse?
0: Oh yeah, that's a great question. Right now in Newton's universe, you don't necessarily get a collapse. I mean, you have gravity and it's pulling stuff together, but In Newton's universe, space is flat. And so it's possible for stuff to be arranged in a way that's sort of stable and static, like the way that our planets orbit the sun and don't collapse, the way our galaxy doesn't collapse because it's spinning. And in Newton's time, remember, they only knew about our galaxy. They didn't know about other galaxies out there. So even this concept of the larger universe was not around. But for Einstein, space can bend. And so even if things are in stable orbits, like they are here, they would still eventually collapse. In fact, Einstein's calculations were done assuming that everything was smoothly distributed. So even in a universe where gravity would all cancel out like that, even in that scenario, he predicted that everything would collapse. So in Newton's universe, things could be arranged stably so they don't collapse where Einstein, without the cosmological constant, predicted everything would eventually collapse. But that's a problem, right? This prediction, this consequence of his theory or consequence of gravity that the universe should be like falling in on itself uh-huh. is not what Einstein thought was happening at the time.
1: Uh, because back then, if you looked out into the sky, things looked pretty
0: static, right? Nothing, th- nothing looks like it's crunching together. Yeah, back in 1915 or so, people thought the universe was static, that the stars were just hanging there in space and there was no relative motion and things were just sort of fixed. They'd been that way forever. They would be that way forever.
1: Things look pretty
0: peaceful. Yeah. And so when Einstein came up with this theory, and it predicted that the universe should be falling out on itself, he thought, uh uh-oh, there must be something wrong, right? (laughs) Something must be wrong with the universe or with his equations? (laughs) Well, he didn't doubt that the universe was static. He tried to fudge his equations. He says, all right, well... If the universe is not collapsing in on itself, then I need something to prevent it from collapsing. Uh, something to push in the other direction to keep it static, to balance it. I see, because if you apply his
1: theory to the universe, or just really, it doesn't have to be the universe, right? It had just any collection of mass, mm-hmm. back at least in the way that they thought space and, and mass was like back then, then that's sort of inevitable, right? If you have gravity, everything's going to come crunching down together. So he's like, wait, that's not happening. So therefore, I'm going to fudge my equation.
0: Yeah, he fudged it. He said, all right, so what I need is something to balance gravity. So he has this equation which predicts the basically the velocity, how things will move through space Mm -hmm. based on the matter and energy density. And he just... Added another number with a minus sign. To to balance it out. To balance it out. To make it match the
1: idea of a universe that's not collapsing.
0: Yeah. He said if there's some effect on gravity from mass and energy, what if there's something else which is pushing back? Something else which provides a counterbalancing influence so that mm. there is no
1: overall gravity. And so th- and so this is his famous fudge factor, right? And did he call it the cosmological
0: constant, or was that name given to it? Afterwards, he called it the cosmological concept. He named it capital Lambda and he chose this minus sign. Mm. And there's no explanation for it. It's not like it comes from anything, it's not like there's a bottoms up physics reason why it should exist. It was really just added to try to describe the universe that he was seeing. Interesting.
1: All right. And so this number has been described as Einstein's biggest blunder. And so let's get into whether or not it was a blunder or not and what that means.
0: But first, let's take a quick break. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit has helped a hundred million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. You know that feeling after you've done a deep spring clean of your house when you realize, wow, For details. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed a hundred thousand miles and a body full of rust.
1: All right, Daniel, did Einstein commit a blunder or not when he introduced the cosmological constant in his (laughs) equations? What do you think? I think it totally is a
0: blunder because... Really? What? Well, it didn't even really solve his problem. Like the problem he had was that gravity was pulling in and he needed something to be sort of pushing out. But the way he described it was a very delicate balance. Like he needed this number to be exactly the right thing so that the effect of gravity from mass would be balanced by the effect of gravity from this weird cosmological constant. But it doesn't work unless they're exactly balanced. Mm. But
1: I guess why do you call it a blunder? I mean, I would just think he's just being a good scientist and be like, oh, I need something. I'm trying to work with these equations to make them fit what I'm up Serving, Therefore, I'm going to add this. It's not like he maybe thought something wrong, did
0: he? No, but my complaint is that it doesn't even really work. Like if you actually had a universe like that, Mm -hmm. then it wouldn't be static because any little extra pocket of mass that was over dense, like, you know, a solar system or whatever would start this runaway effect because it's not stable. Like an extra pocket of mass very quickly generates extra gravity and overcomes this cosmological constant. And so while he wouldn't have like everything drawing into the center, there would be lots of little collapses.
1: Oh, I see.
0: His theory doesn't even really predict a static universe. I see.
1: You're saying putting it into and the same equations that he had before made it balanced, but it's like a super precarious balance. Yeah,
0: and technically it only works if matter is totally evenly distributed through the universe and there's no extra little spots of extra density. Mm. And if there are, then those very rapidly coalesce and collapse. But isn't that
1: what happened with galaxies? Aren't galaxies and planets really just like small concentrations of mass?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so he's not describing what's happening, right? He's trying to describe what he thought was happening, which is a stable universe, but his description doesn't even lead to a stable universe. Mm.
1: You mean the whole equation's wrong, not just that constant?
0: Yeah, I don't think the equation as he put it together describes the static universe that he was trying to describe. Mm. All right, so how did they know it was a blunder? Well, I think it's a blunder because it doesn't even describe the universe he thought he was describing. But then it turns out that the universe is different from what he thought, that the universe is not static, right? That the the universe he was trying to describe suddenly shifted from under his feet. Right, because we now know that the universe is expanding, right? That's right.
1: Later on in the 1930s, they discovered that galaxies were actually moving apart from each other.
0: That's right. Hubble, building on work of various other people, discovered that there are other galaxies out there, and they're really far away, and they're moving away from us faster and faster. Mm-hmm. So he discovered that the universe is not static, that it's expanding. Mm. And so this sort of blew up Einstein's idea because he had worked carefully to add this number to his equations to describe a static universe. And then it turns out, oops, the universe, not actually (laughs) static.
1: Well, his problem was that he called it a constant, right? If he had called it not, or is it that the even did that whole math equation is wrong?
0: Uh, No, the problem is not that he called it a constant, Though we can talk about later, about whether we think it's varying in time. The problem is that he... You know, put this number in to fudge his equation to describe a static universe, which is not our universe.
1: Mm, okay, so we we don't live in a static universe, therefore, any equation that assumes that is wrong.
0: That's right. And so then Einstein abandoned the cosmological constant, and he never actually said it was his greatest blunder. But after that, he was definitely not a fan of it. Mm. You know, he thought it was... It was uh, not well motivated, and you're sort of putting it in by hand, and it doesn't come from anything, and it doesn't really make sense. Oh, I see. All right,
1: well, he was pretty cool about it then. He didn't try to, like, hang on to it.
0: Mm-hmm. And this part is a little bit confusing because you might think, well, Einstein put the cosmological constant in to prevent the universe from collapsing in his model, but then he discovers the universe is expanding How does he get rid of the cosmological constant, right? Mm, Just put another number in it, a plus number. (laughs) Well, the cosmological constant already was pushing in that direction, right? The cosmological constant he had kept the universe from collapsing. It was a positive, repulsive force, Uh right? Can
1: you just make that number bigger and it'll
0: explain expansion? Right. And so down the road, in order to explain expansion, accelerating expansion, we're going to have to make that number bigger. But what Einstein did was get rid of it, right? Not make it bigger, but he just made it zero he's like oh this is wrong and that seems confusing right because then he went the wrong way there are two things to keep in mind here at once the expansion which is like a velocity and then the change in expansion which is like an acceleration just like in your car you have a certain velocity and then the engine or brakes gives you acceleration to change that velocity now the cosmological constant is more like the engine it gives acceleration to the expansion either positive or negative Now, Einstein had originally assumed that the expansion velocity was zero, that we lived in a static universe, and so he set the cosmological constant to zero to also give no acceleration. So what Hubble discovered is that the expansion velocity was positive. Hubble didn't measure the acceleration, he couldn't. So Einstein at that point knew that his no expansion, no acceleration description was wrong. Now, when Einstein tossed out the cosmological constant, it gave him a universe with negative acceleration because gravity was collapsing it. But it could still have positive expansion velocity at that moment, sort of like driving at high speeds at the same time as hitting the brakes to slow you down. So no cosmological constant means negative acceleration, which would eventually turn the universe's expansion around into a collapse. But Einstein was more giving up on the whole idea, of using the cosmological constant to get balance and get zero acceleration and zero velocity. Uh, so the cosmological
1: constant um, tells you how, how fast the expansion is changing. Yeah. Okay. And so by making it zero, then Einstein thought that he was saying, okay, it's expanding, but it's not accelerating. Yeah. It's not getting faster and
0: faster. Yeah, so Einstein's vision, I think, was the universe is expanding right now, But I'm going to get rid of the cosmological constant, which means that expansion is decreasing. And so in the future, Einstein thought the expansion would slow down, stop, and eventually the universe would still collapse.
1: can this Einstein guy get anything right? I mean...
0: (laughs) But he was kind of wrong about that too, right? Because
1: later on, more recently, we discovered that the universe is expanding faster and faster and
0: faster. That's right. Hubble was right. The universe is expanding. And the question was, is that expansion slowing down quickly or is that expansion slowing down slowly? Mm. And we went out to measure it and discovered that neither those are true, right? That the expansion is accelerating, that it's going faster and faster every year. Right, yeah. And we figured this out by watching supernovas explode, which let us understand how far away things are and how fast they're moving away from us. And we reconstructed this sort of history of the speed the things are moving away from us. And that told us that things are moving away from us faster and faster every year. Mm. And so not only is Hubble saw is the universe expanding, but that expansion is getting faster every year.
1: Right. We've, we've had podcast episodes about this, about the the idea that the universe is kind of exploding.
0: Yeah. The universe is sort of being torn apart. and Yeah. It's, it's going through puberty or something. <laughs> the, the most precise way to think about it, I think, is that space is expanding, right? We're creating new space mm. between us and other galaxies. Right. And a very... Common question from listeners is if space is being created between us and other galaxies, why isn't it being created between us and the sun, or between me and you, or between Jorge right. and his banana? And and it is,
1: it's just that we're being pulled together
0: by gravity. That's right, it is. It's being created equally everywhere. That's why it's a cosmological yeah. constant, it's constant in space. Everywhere in space is being yeah. stretched the same way. But as you say, the earth is holding you onto it and the sun is holding us. By its gravity, right. and our galaxy is holding itself together. Right. Even even like
1: the air inside of your mouth right now is literally expanding.
0: <laughs> it's literally expanding. Yes. Yeah.
1: Everyone's brain is literally <laughs> e- exploding right now.
0: Not just because of us. That's right. And we call this dark energy, right? But It's just physics shorthand for we have no clue what's going on. This is, you know, something we observe. We see that the universe is expanding. And this is something we only discovered, you know, 20, 25 years ago. It's mind-blowing to realize that before that we were ignorant of this really basic fact about our own existence.
1: Well, so I guess my question now is then, is dark energy related to the cosmological constant? You're sort of making it sound like it's maybe the same thing. Like what Einstein was missing in in his equation was the idea of dark energy and that maybe this constant is related to
0: it or... Or is it totally separate? It's related to it. And, you know, the idea is you see something out there in the universe, something you don't understand, which is like the universe is expanding and that expansion is accelerating. That's dark energy. Just the observation that the expansion is accelerating. No cosmological constant idea involved yet. There are several possible explanations for dark energy, one of which is the cosmological constant, right? How do you describe it? You want physics equations that describe it so you can understand it, so you can predict it. So you need to somehow describe it. And so one way to describe that is to take Einstein's field equations, which are awesome, and put the cosmological constant back in. Back in. So he... Put it back in. He had taken it out and now everyone
1: is saying, no, no, wait, don't take it out. It actually helps us understand what's what's happening.
0: That's right. And you need to put it back in and put it back in larger than he did, right? He put it back in to try to balance the universe on a knife's edge to keep it static. Mm-hmm. And then he pulled it out again. He's like, oh, the universe is not static. I'll just let it collapse in the future. Now we got to put it back in and crank it up so that it's accelerating oh, the expansion of the universe.
1: Everyone's like, more fudge. Put more fudge in. <laughs> Don't put it in <laughs> the <right>. fridge.
0: <laughs> Just just pour the whole thing in. That's right. He put in some fudge, then he took the fudge out, and now we've doubled the fudge. <laughs> now it's double fudge.
1: It's a double fudge universe. Maybe Einstein's blunder was just picking the wrong ice cream flavor. You never know. All right, let's get into whether or not this cosmological fudge constant is real and what that means for the fate of the universe.
0: But first, let's take a quick break. And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed a 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day.
1: All right, we're talking about the cosmological constant and we're talking about how it's something that Einstein put in, then took out and then people put back in because it explains how the universe can be expanding faster and faster. So it's kind of a real thing because we're seeing it. But Daniel, explain to us what it actually is is and like physically what it means and and how does it explain how the universe is expanding
0: yeah so nobody knows the answer to any of those questions so we could just end the podcast all right well then thank you
1: very much uh we'll end the podcast right here it's
0: a fascinating question and it's something physicists are thinking about a lot and it's worth understanding what physicists do not yet understand Mm. and the first thing to know sort of the mechanics of it like how did he put it in Well, the the equations for general relativity are very complicated, but you can solve them in some sort of simplifying assumptions. And you get like two equations, one that gives you the expansion of the universe, the other that gives you the acceleration. And if you look at those equations, you can Google them later, you see that there's a term there for mass and energy, Mm -hmm. and that has one effect. And he just literally put in a number with an opposite sign. To balance it. Mm. And so it's something. Einstein's description of it mathematically would be something which has the opposite gravitational effect of mass and energy.
1: And you have to put it in a certain sort of solution of the equation. Yeah,
0: you have to put it into the equations in a certain place. Because it's
1: not in like E equals mc squared. That's not where it is. No. It's somewhere else in the equation.
0: That's right. That's not the that E equals mc squared is not part of Einstein's field equations for general relativity. And so it goes into those field equations. And and this is what we do in physics. We're like, all right, this model, these equations describe what we see. Then what does that mean, right? The next step mm. is interpretation. Like, why is it like this and not something else? What does that tell okay. us about the universe that we need this mm. number here? Okay, so
1: yeah, he people agree he put it in the right place, but they, they don't agree that it's actually a constant, is
0: it? Well, we don't know. And the way you can interpret it sort of physically is to think about it like, Maybe it's the energy of empty space. Oh. Right? Because if space itself has some energy inherent in it, then it could have this effect. Right. So we're we're like searching for a physical explanation. And and this could be totally wrong, right? This could be like, you know, maybe the universe is made out of air, fire, and water. It could be that level of idea which in a hundred years people scoff I at. See. But we're just groping around in the dark here. <laughs> and and this is what we came up
1: with. What you came up with was that space is not space and emptiness is not emptiness. <laughs> there's actually something in not in empty space. Yeah,
0: there's something in empty space. And it's important that this gets something really big right. If you think of it as the energy of empty space, mm-hmm. not as something in space, then as the universe expands, as space expands, you get more space, you get more of this stuff, right? Because say you have like a cube of space and it has two hydrogen molecules in it, and then it expands, right? Well, you still only have two hydrogen molecules in it. So the density of stuff in the universe has decreased. So the gravitational effect of that stuff has decreased. Mm. But the cosmological constant, the energy of empty space, is constant. So you get twice as much space, you have twice as much of this mysterious dark energy.
1: It kind of sounds like magic, like you're... Like the, you know, like the total energy in the universe, you're just, it just, it bubbles up from like an infinite fountain. Yeah,
0: it's pretty weird. And gradually it sort of takes over. Like as the universe expands, you get more dark energy. And so the fraction of the energy of the universe that's in dark energy just grows and grows and grows and grows. And eventually it's going to be totally dominant. Uh... Does that mean that the energy of the universe is not being conserved? Well, that's a whole other question. It's a great question. It's pretty complicated. I think we should dive into that in a whole other podcast. But the brief answer is that the energy of the universe might just be zero. So where where is all this new energy coming from? There's a lot of negative energy in the universe that's bound up in gravitational interactions. And so... This new energy can be balanced by negative energy Uh of the gravitational interaction.
1: That's, uh, oh, I see. When you create something, oh, I see. Like if you're creating space between you and me, there's energy being created by the space, but we're also sort of storing it in the gravitational
0: potential energy between us. There's negative energy in our gravitational potential. Because you need to add energy to free us. Like, if you have Daniel and Jorge orbiting each other, mm-hmm. right, we're bound together gravitationally, then in order to make a free Daniel and a free Jorge, you need to add energy to the system. In
1: order to pull it apart.
0: Yeah. Oh. So that means that that has negative
1: energy. And Weird. so But it's weird that the universe kind of wants that. It wants to free you, Daniel. (laughs) I don't know. Why does not it want want you to come to me?
0: I don't know. I don't know why the universe wants what it wants. But it's it's weird to think about dark energy because it feels like a strange coincidence. Like, Mm. we are living in a time when right now, dark energy is about 70% of the universe. Mm -hmm. We know eventually it's going to take over. So why is it that we happen to live at this time when, like, matter is 30% and dark energy... Uh, matter and and radiation and all that stuff is 30%, and dark energy is 70%. It feels like sort of a weird balance. Really?
1: What, why? I mean, like, if we were, if the human race had come up a billion years ago, we might be asking the same question, like, oh, why is it 67% and 33%? Mm -hmm.
0: But if you look at the history of the universe over a trillion years, Mm -hmm. only the very first blip is going to have any sort of balance between matter and dark energy. Most of it will be dominated by dark energy, so... Even before us? No, no, the dark energy is the future, not the past. Oh, I guess, I mean,
1: like, uh, we're wondering why it is the way it is like that now, but if we had been born a billion years... Before, wouldn't it also be odd? It would also be odd, yeah.
0: It's weird to find two things in balance that won't stay in balance, right? We don't think that there's anything that's keeping dark energy in balance with these other forces. Eventually, it will take over. Mm -hmm. And so it's just sort of weird to be alive in a moment when it hasn't yet taken over. Because most of the history of the universe in the future, it will be in charge. I see. But in the past, is it less or more? Less. Okay. Less, because... Yeah, the universe is getting more and more dilute. Mm-hmm. And so dark energy is growing in importance. Oh,
1: okay. All right. So these are all related to each other. The cosmological constant the energy of empty space and dark energy. Are these all different names for the same thing? Or I guess help me understand why we have three names for it.
0: Yeah, there's sort of three layers of ideas there and there's one more layer we should get into. Oh, great. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the
0: dark energy is the description of the accelerating expansion of the universe. That's like experimental. Something is out there doing this. We call it dark energy. Mm-hmm. The cosmological constant is an attempt to describe dark energy mm-hmm. using gravity. Say, well, maybe it's just a feature of gravity, right? Oh, it could not be. It could not be. It could be something totally different. We could not need a cosmological uh, constant and there's something totally different going on. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, oh, are-
1: I see. I get it. All right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: There are other explanations for dark energy that don't involve the cosmological constant. So
1: the cosmological constant could still be zero, like Einstein said. It could still be zero, yeah. Oh, see, (laughs) you guys were calling him a blunderer, and you don't even know. I'm I'm going to switch over to Team Einstein here and say maybe I'm going to keep with him.
0: I think that's bananas. And the cosmological constant is an attempt to describe that, right? And then we go, we say, well, how can we explain the cosmological constant? If it exists, if it's real, if it's there, Mm -hmm. what could be creating it? this energy of empty space is an attempt to calculate what the cosmological constant should be.
1: Oh, I see. It's a theory, it's a hypothesis built on a
0: hypothesis of a hypothesis. Yeah, and because maybe it would work. Like, if you, if you then sat down and said, all right, what is the energy of empty space? And can I calculate it? And if I get the right number, if I get the number that actually measuring out there in the universe, that suggests that I'm right. Mm, right? Okay. So they sat down and they said, all right, how much energy do we expect there to be in empty space? Mm -hmm. And you can calculate this because we know that there are quantum fields out there in empty space, like the Higgs field, which is not at zero. When the Higgs field is at its lowest level, it's not at zero. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this in another podcast. What would happen if the Higgs field collapsed down to zero? It would destroy the universe. So we're we're lo- we're lucky. We're happy that the Higgs field is not at zero. Mm-hmm. But then, if you add up all the energy you think is stored in the Higgs field and various other fields, you get a number, and you compare that number to the number that we measure for the cosmological constant. And they're different. Oh, I see. So this idea
1: that there's energy everywhere is is not unusual. You're saying that all of the quantum fields have energy mm-hmm. in them. Mm-hmm. And you're saying that they actually have too much energy. Yeah.
0: The number you get is too big by a factor of 10 to the 120.
1: Hmm maybe Higgs is fudging it too, you know?
0: <laughs> Higgs flavored fudge. I don't <laughs> even know what that means.
1: But could it be also maybe like a field that we don't know about? Is that possible too? Or like... Uh like, you know, maybe these fields are leaking or
0: something. Yeah, exactly. People say, well, maybe there's another field out there we haven't discovered. Mm. And it happens to cancel all the other ones to give us a really tiny number. And that's weird, right? Like, Mm. it's weird if these two things balance each other to 120 decimal places to give us the number that we measure.
1: Let's call it the fudge field.
0: (laughs) The fudge field. And so that's not very satisfying, right? And then other people say, well, who cares about those other fields? It doesn't even have to be a field. It doesn't even have to be the energy of empty space. It can just be a basic number of the universe. Like Mm. maybe it's just a parameter of the universe. Like a remainder. Or just like the speed of light, you know, or the Planck's constant. You know, maybe there's just a number Mm. and it's part of the universe. Like pi. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And People don't like that answer either because then, well, why this number and not any other number? Mm. And to answer that, you have to go multiverse, which is also unsatisfying. (laughs) I feel like we're
1: stacking... Crazy hypothetical ideas oh, yeah. one on top of oh, the other. Yeah. How deep does this go, Daniel?
0: This is about as deep as it goes. Once you get to the anthropic principle in the multiverse, you really can't go deeper into the scientific baloney. Oh, see. You got to throw your hands up and be like, <laughs> that's just the way it is, folks. Well, you're drowning in scientific baloney at that point. So <laughs>
1: We're out of fudge.
0: That's it. <laughs> we go we filled the pool with fudge and we're in the deep end now.
1: Oh, well, uh, what is this anthropic principle? It, it, I think it means that things are just the way they are. And we think it's weird only because
0: we happen to exist. Yeah, it says... When you have a random number you can't explain, it says, well, maybe there's an infinite number of universes and each one has a different random number. Mm -hmm. And only in the universes where that random number happens to be what it is so that you can have intelligent life. Do you have intelligent life asking why is that number what it is? I see. There are
1: other universes where this cosmological constant is different. But there's nobody around to ask the question.
0: Yeah. If on those other universes, the cosmological constant was some crazy big number and the universe just like exploded in the first millisecond and no interesting structure formed then you didn't get, you know, awesome podcasts Mm, asking about the nature of the universe.
1: Or maybe there are universes where, you know, the the two guys having a podcast are wondering, I wonder why pi is (laughs) 7.6.
0: They must live in a different geometrical space then. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and I find that answer totally unsatisfying Mm. because it's kind of like saying there is no answer. Stop asking. There's nowhere (laughs) deeper to go. And that's not who I am. You know, I'm always going to be asking questions. I always want to dig deeper. I always want to know why. You're like, I'm sure Einstein was wrong. I know it. I'm pretty sure Einstein was wrong. I have to go on team not Einstein. (laughs) Oh, I see. (laughs) Anti-Einstein. Oh, man. I mean, I'm pro-Einstein in general, but in this one, I don't think you got it right.
1: All right. Well, I think that uh, clears it up a lot for me how all these things are related. Um, So let me try to recap then. Mm. So we know the universe is expanding and we call that dark energy.
0: We know the universe is expanding and its expansion is accelerating. Right. It's getting
1: faster and faster and we don't know what it is in any of our equations so we just call it dark energy Mm -hmm. and so we have a theory about what that could be and maybe it's due to gravity and so that's where the cosmological constant comes in Mm -hmm. and then we don't have a good explanation for the cosmological constant so we just (laughs) poured a lot of fudge in it and then call it it the uh, energy of not energy
0: that's right the fudge of empty space
1: (laughs) All right. Well, um, I think it's pretty interesting, though, to think about these huge questions about the universe, you know, and how how A, we don't know what's going on and B, how, you know, even people like Einstein are sort of grasping at straws sometimes.
0: That's right. And we made a little bit of fun of science here for having silly ideas. But, you know, this is how real science gets done. When you're on the forefront of human ignorance, you try crazy stuff and you say, well, maybe it's something like this. Can we make this work? Can we make that work? Because, you know, the universe is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And so no ridiculous idea should be discarded because it might be correct. It might be accurate. It might describe our ridiculous reality this is the best we can do folks (laughs) it's a process right if you want to join in the fun
1: uh, go study (laughs) physics
0: that's right if you've ever done any writing you know the rough draft is always pretty rough (laughs) and that's where we are now yeah
1: all right well uh, thank you very much to Pascal for asking this question and we hope that helps you sleep a little bit better at night
0: that's right and remember that the biggest questions in the universe about the biggest universe out there are still unsolved which means you might be the person to figure them out thanks for joining us See you next time. If you still have a question after listening to all these explanations, please drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Daniel and Jorge. That's one word or email us at feedback at danielandjorge dot com. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Since every minute counts when you're a new parent, who wants to waste time washing bottles? Transform this daily chore with the Baby Bretza Bottle Washer Pro, the first machine that automatically washes, sterilizes, and dries bottles, pump parts, and sippy cups at the push of a button. Its 20 spray jets clean everything 100%. Plus, it sterilizes with steam, then dries with germ-free air. Don't waste time on tedious hand-washing. Let the Baby Bretza Bottle Washer Pro do it for you. Shop now at babybrezza.com.
1: This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own.